host. Two girls, one go. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hi. And hi, we're, uh, I'm Sabrina. Hello. Time to get spooky. But before we do that, we we'd like to talk about our own lives first. Yep. You didn't come here for us, but here we are. This is who you have. So now you have mm-hmm. to listen. It's our podcast. Or we you could fast us. forward. No one's telling you not to. But Corinne, you have to tell me everything about your birthday. Oh, yes. So for my birthday, I live in Boston, Massachusetts, for people who do not know. And about an hour north of here is a town called Ipswich. And it is on the water. It's coastal. And there is a big castle. It's the Crane Estate, Castle Hill. and Your dream home. Sabrina, you were the first person to ever go to this place with me. And I became mm-hmm. obsessed. And I was like, I have to do something here. I have to have like my quinceanera or get <laughs> married here. And obviously, I'm not Mexican or 16 or 15, however old you are. Yeah, so that's not going to happen. So now I just have to get married there. But I did get to do something really awesome there because they have every single year, they have a 1920s party. It's a Roaring Twenties lawn party. <sighs> I called my parents. They were like, how was it? I spent 35 minutes talking about this one event. It was my it was my favorite birthday. Oh, it was I the best thing. That. I kept smiling. We were there for five hours and it flew by. We were all shocked when it was time when everyone was starting to wrap up. We were like, wait, what? I didn't stop smiling the entire time. I was having the best time. <laughs> Everyone was so dressed up, like you were in 1920s gear. And most people, I I will say, like either dress kind of like, you know, like tea party, lawn party era, Mm -hmm. or they go very like flapper. But there were a few costumes that I was like, oh, my God, those were so good. There were two guys that were wearing the swim gear, the people in the 1920s. No. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. It was very goofy looking. Oh, I love that. And then there was another couple. And the guy was dressed like he was in the military, like he was in the army. And then she was dressed very much as you would to either like send off your husband or wave at him as he comes and returns back. Where they dressed up as that famous couple, the Times Square photo. Because there's that photo of like the couple reuniting in Times Square and he's in his uniform and she's in this like cute little dress and he dips her backwards and kisses her on the lips. Oh, was that in Times Square? I think maybe I'm making because they up. have it. The statue exists down in San Diego, downtown San Diego. You can actually go and see oh. like a huge, giant statue version of that photo. Oh, that's so cute! That's a great costume. Yeah, and we took so we took swing dancing lessons. They also had Charleston lessons, which we didn't go to, but then you could watch performances, and we watched the Charleston challenge where everyone did the Charleston and the best. Like they pick out people who they think are best and then they compete oh. and then there's a winner. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. I just loved it so much. And everyone that was in our group was like, we have to go back next year. This is so fun. This is the best. Like we're having such a good time. So I was very excited. And I was actually, I was cracking up because our friends, Jeff and Mike, who we met in college, mm-hmm. they now live in Boston and they also went to the event and they were saying how they were very confident in what they were wearing. They thought they looked really good. And then when they arrived and saw how full out everyone else goes, they were like, oh, man, we look like bootleggers. We don't look that classy anymore. <laughs> no, I saw the photo. You all looked very classy. I was, it was great. Yeah, I ripped out of my dress. Danced too hard. <laughs> Way too hard. As you should. Busted out that's, of both sides. What can I say? That's a good birthday. It was awesome. But you picnic. Oh, just everything was so great. I was obsessed with it. That's so fun. And then I also ran into some listeners, not at the party, but at the day before. 
No way. Yeah. The day before. Well, okay. So I saw Deirdre again, who I'd already seen a year ago. We ran into each other at a different brewery. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So we were like, oh, God, we're just drinking our way through the city, aren't we? (laughs) And then she was with her friend Sam, who had we had read uh, his story on the podcast before. So I was just chatting with them. It was really fun to see them. Oh, my gosh. It's so fun. So I had a a good weekend. I'm out of breath just from talking (laughs) because I've had a lot to eat over the past few days and it's breathing has become hard that also is part of age i think oh man (laughs) (laughs) welcome to your 26th year need to put on some anti-wrinkle cream start having those collagen pills oh my gosh i almost so one of our admins actually messaged and said that we just missed each other yesterday because i impromptu i also celebrated your birthday without you i impromptu went to go see the backstreet boys and it how do you was, impromptu go to the Backstreet Boys? It didn't sell out? No, well, we just lucked out and got tickets, but our tickets were the very, very, very last row of the entire stadium in the back up against a wall. So not the greatest seats, but we had Whatever. an awesome time. You have the best time in the back. That's the best oh, spot right. to be. Well, yeah, no one's yelling at you to sit down. You can do whatever nope. you want. You can dance your you heart out, scream. sing your heart out. No one will hear you. You're not ruining the show. Yeah, I um, had a screaming competition with the people in front of me, and I'm convinced that I got them to look at me because that's a very obvious thing that would happen from the very back row. I can scream very loud. I won't do it. I won't put you all I'm through I'm shocked that, because- that you risked it. I feel like now I'm just so – ever since I had laryngitis, I don't sing too much and I don't scream too much because I'm so fearful of losing my voice again and then having to record for hours and not being able yeah. to say anything. It's impossible to not sing as loud as possible to the Backstreet Boys. So it's what impossible. song did they open with and what did they close with? I can't even remember what they opened with. We all were convinced that they were going to open with Backstreet's Back. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. But they didn't. And they kind of, they did this, oh my God, the last 20 minutes of the show was just unreal. It was hit after hit after hit. It was Backstreet's Back. Why am I blanking on the, oh, the call. It was great. It was just so much fun. I feel like I was reliving my best childhood memories. Seriously. we I didn't even know that they were... Are they on tour or was it just a one-time thing in L.A.? So they were at, they were in Vegas doing a residency and then now I think they're touring around a bit. I'm not <gasps> sure. What is this life? Jonas Brothers are back. You can go I and know. see the Backstreet Boys. God bless. And also I heard a rumor. Spice Girls? On the radio that, well, Spice Girls are back. But that NSYNC and Backstreet Boys are in talks of doing a tour together. Oh my God. I would die i was gonna say i would shit myself but i was like that's not nice to say i thought you were gonna say you're gonna bust a load which is just as gross (laughs) that's really gross um i would die my heart would die of joy and love and happiness i'd make my own t-shirt but can i say they are so handsome they're still they have aged so well they're so cute and charming and i don't know i got a little 10 year old excitement again God, I would just love that. My crushes. I'd be like, wow, you know what? Sometimes I'm like, I wish I lived in this era or that era. It seemed so great. But if I know. those two bands went on tour together, that'd be it. I'd be like, we lived in the best era ever. The best we did. year to ever be alive is this year in this moment right here watching them. <laughs> together? Together. Yeah, Spice Girls is another one that I would just go nuts if I was able to see them. Oh, 100%. When when Nick and I missed our flight back from London to L.A., what, a month or two ago, 
the Spice Girls were playing an hour and a half away from the London Gatwick airport. <laughs> and we we're like, let's just go. Let's just go. But apparently, I mean, we would have missed it because it started at like seven and we were at the airport at five and like we wouldn't have gotten there in time. I don't understand how you can just go to these things. How are they not completely sold out? Well, people resell tickets online or there are people who buy a bunch of tickets just to sell for more expensive. Oh, man, oh, man. You got to try, you know? I want to go. It's so good. So good. And they their dance moves are so fun. And uh, I, I was just in bliss. In absolute bliss. Uh, there's a new artist that she just started releasing her music, I think, back in April. She only has three songs out. She's from Australia. Yeah. It's to- her uh, name is Tones and I, and huh, I have I been playing her. her three songs on repeat ever since I discovered her yesterday. I don't know her. Let me see. Oh, my God. It's so good. She's one of those people where when you hear her, you're like, damn, I wish I could sing. And number two, if I could sing, I wish I had her voice. Yeah. She's like raspy okay, and her. breathy and got attitude. Like I picture me. I basically play out her music videos. I don't even know if she has music videos, but when I listen to the songs, it makes me create. I'm suddenly a director. <laughs> I have this whole vision in my head of her music video. Oh, that's great. Well, you should make your own fan music video. For I her. will. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a little kid with my Backstreet Boys t-shirt on and my NSYNC poster in the, uh, yes. in the corner and then uh, Nick Jonas up above me looking down. That's the other thing. I went to the, okay, so we got there and we were going to wait for beer, but then the lines were too long. So we were like, okay, let's go sit in our seats. And I really wanted to get a shirt, which I know shirts at concerts are overpriced, but they're an original tour concert shirt that I just, I just had a desire, burning desire to get one. So they started playing a song from their new album and I was like, okay, this is the perfect time. I'm going to go to the bathroom and then I'm going to get my shirt. So I go to the bathroom. All the stores are open when I go to the bathroom. And I'm like, all right, great. I'm going to go. I'm going to go out and get my shirt. I leave the bathroom and it's like someone just switched to flip because there was the lobby area was just empty. It looked like the apocalypse and all of the stores were closed. That so I didn't get to get my sucks. shirt. I was so sad. I'm sorry. Now you have to go to another one. I guess so. I'm so bummed I have to do that. Too bad. Too I just bad. have to go see another wonderful show. Poor me. Poor you. I had to relive my 90s and 2000s life. They've been playing for 26 years. They've been playing longer than we've been alive. Well, I've been alive for 26 years. Yeah, but that was as of yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I feel old. My bones are cracking. My wrinkles are protruding. I have liver spots. I was like, look, guys, reverse freckles yesterday at the picnic. And someone was like, oh, those are called liver spots. And I was like, okay, literally every single one of you here, shut up. Don't tell anyone I have these. <laughs> it's your birthday. You have to pretend you're healthy and I have thriving. liver spots. I don't even know what liver spots are. They're, they look, well, apparently they're like reverse freckles. They're like, instead of little brown freckles, you have white. It's a lack of pigment. Oh, sad. I believe. I don't know. I should Google it and then convince myself I'm dying at age 26. Yeah. WebMD, you have, <sighs> you're dying. Whew, I am sweating. Me too. I'm really breathing heavy here. Yeah, I know. We're, I guess we're both getting old. I made a tent again because we've been having some um, microphone issues. And our editor said, it is hard when you're not in a professional studio. So my answer to that was to make a fort. Make a tent. Yeah. we've. I pulled up the video call and I said, are you in a tent? Because and that I is said, what it yes. looks like. It is exactly what it is. And... It's actually nice for me and Leia because she has her own little tent up at the top. Is she in the tent? Well, yeah. So because I used my headboard. So the way it is, 
there's like a little gap between the headboard and the ceiling. So Leia's up there, and then I'm on the bed with the tent over me. Oh, what a wonderful visual. A little cat, the cat and the girl in their tent. Yeah, that's that will be our uh, Two Girls, One Ghost second children's book. <laughs> I think we've already come up with 17 in between the first and this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then it will be our 100th. But this is actually the perfect place to be for ghost stories. Yep. And I'm so curious what the heck you did because you've been talking about this. Because it's just the weirdest thing. And this is why I made us do this topic. I said, Sabrina, we're going to do the strangest cases that we can find. Because I was dying to do this one because it's (laughs) just so weird. I need to know how you found it. I don't know anything about it. God, I don't know. I I found it deep, deep upon my searches like (laughs) 80 weeks ago. And then I was like, ooh, got to do this. Awesome. Okay. Okay. This is the story of Jeff the Mongoose. (laughs) Back in September of 1931, the Irving family started to hear some strange noises in their home. They lived in the Isle of Man in the UK. It was James and Margaret, and they were living there with their 13-year-old daughter, Vori. And together... They all started hearing some scratching, and the scratching persisted, and there was some rustling behind their farmhouse's wooden panels, and along with the scratching and rustling, rustling, they heard what sounded like a human voice. So, whatever was in the walls didn't seem to be able to speak very well at first, although it did sound a little bit human, but Mm. that changed and it progressed. Sabrina's also lying completely down, head on a pillow. Yeah. (laughs) I'm comfortable. Very comfortable. (laughs) Okay, so they're like, oh, this sounds a little bit human, but whatever. That's my biggest fear, having someone living in your walls. Mm -hmm. Well, this once unintelligible voice started to communicate and started to speak English. So it was learning. It was like a Furby. It learned. Uh, A Furby. Ew, that's a horrible comparison. (laughs) That's I what babies do. They come in as a toy and then you teach them English and then suddenly they're talking in your closet at you in the middle of the night trying to Feed kill your family. Me. Feed me. Hungry. So this is what was happening. There was rustling. There was some human voice and some scratching. And eventually the family actually saw what was making these noises. At first they were just like, there's something weird in our walls. Our place is probably haunted. But then they actually saw this creature. And this creature that came out of the walls looked like a ferret or like a mongoose, but it was small and it had yellowish fur and a big bushy tail. It was a talking mongoose. No. So the mongoose said that his name was Jeff with a G. G G-E-F. Jeff. I can't. And he introduced himself to the family and he started to tell them about who he was, which was apparently a man who was born in New Delhi, India, back in 1852. And his spirit was now earthbound, and he had taken on the body of a kind of mongoose-looking creature for that moment. Oh, my gosh. Surprisingly, the Irving family did not throw him in a cage and send him off to be studied or shoot him or whatever you would think might happen to this creature. Mm -hmm. They instead just pulled... Pulled a stort literal, and they integrated Jeff into their family. Wow. So Jeff called himself an extra, extra clever mongoose. And Jeff <laughs> once told the family, 
I am a freak. I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt. Jeff. But they weren't scared of him. He talked a big game. He said he was extra clever. Said I'm a terrifying, horrible creature. But they did see him at times and they were totally fine. But for the most part, he was trying to avoid being seen. Um, But he still very much enjoyed spending time with the family. And I guess they enjoyed his company as well, even though he was a bit brash with them at times. And one morning, James Irving was reading the newspaper when a high-pitched voice, not belonging to his wife or his daughter or seemingly coming from anywhere, yelled out, read it out, you fat-headed gnome. (laughs) And that was Jeff. And that is how he chose to speak to his family. Jeff. He had some tood. Jeff the mongoose. This weird, interesting creature has some attitude. He's so extra. He's so extra. And they weren't entirely sure what Jeff was either. So he kind of, like, his descriptions of himself changed a bit. Sometimes he called himself an extra clever mongoose, but then sometimes he said he was a freak. And if you laid eyes on him, you'd lose it. But then another (laughs) time he said, I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. So they also think... Whatever form he was taking on or whatever he was doing, they did see him at times and did think that he was kind of a mongoose-looking creature, but he also seemed to change the descriptions of himself. So they were like, maybe this is some sort of like weird supernatural being, and he's not just Jeff the mongoose. He might take on many forms. And they also believed that he was a bit telekinetic because he could move things, but he was rarely seen by the naked eye. So if things were being moved... It wasn't necessarily that he himself was right there moving it, but they would still witness it being moved by him somehow. Whoa. So this little talking possessed mongoose <laughs> alien creature, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. He, what do you call him? I don't know. Split Adam, a creature of the fifth dimension. <laughs> but he found the eighth his wonder of the world. Eighth wonder of the world. He found his place in this family. And he took on sort of the role of basically like a guard dog slash caretaker. So the Irving... Could you imagine trying to break into someone's house and... A mongoose comes out and starts... I'm Jeff with a G and I'm extra terrifying. (laughs) Get out! Would you laugh or would you just faint right there? I don't know. I mean, I'm laughing hysterically now, but I don't know what I would do if I saw it. Oh, it would be so scary, probably. (laughs) Okay, but the Irving family said that Jeff would basically guard their house at night and would let them know if anyone unfamiliar, animals included, were approaching the house. And additionally, there were times that they'd forget to put out a fire at night and Jeff would put it out for them, ensuring that everyone Mm. was safe in the home. And he went very above and beyond some mornings, even waking up the family members if they overslept. Wow. And if rodents got into the house, Jeff utilized his animal body and he scared them away. And the family also stated that Jeff would sometimes sleep in Voyery's room. So he was kind of like a dog, essentially. That could talk. That could talk. That was rarely seen and very creepy. So he still lived in the walls? I guess. They really, really saw him. But it wasn't all fun and games with Jeff, even though he sounds like a hoot, because Jeff was also a nuisance. He would throw stones, he would kill rabbits, and sometimes he would sing, quote, body renditions of Home on the Range. (laughs) I can't. 
I don't know what to do with myself. He would also go on rants. And these rants would be very judgy and very scary. And one time during one of his long monologues, he said, I have been to nicer homes than this. Carpets, piano, satin covers on polished tables. I'm going back there. <laughs> and then <laughs> another time he Eva. said, I could kill you all, but I won't. Oh. So this family is now having this very confused relationship with this paranormal creature that they apparently allowed to stay in their home. Right. It's this little possessed animal that was once acting like, I don't know, like a guard dog. But now he's turned into the annoying uncle that's too drunk and is saying things that... Overstaying his welcome. Overstaying his welcome. But he can also speak intelligibly. And for some reason, this family, even after all this, they're not very freaked out. They're just letting it happen. They feed Jeff chocolates and bananas and biscuits and bacon and they left food for him suspended up in the air from the ceiling in this saucer because apparently he was a self-conscious eater and he would only grab food from up there when he thought no one was looking. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. This is the strangest case. It's so strange. You're right. It's so strange. So not only was Jeff in the house with them, but on occasion, the family would actually bring him to the market with them. So they wouldn't actually really see him often but i think i just picture them saying like come on come with us we're going to the market like you can hop in this when you're ready and mm -hmm. so they would bring him but he wouldn't be visible to others but he still saw no problem with talking and so they would just go through the supermarket go through town and he would just be talking 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 and no one would see what was actually talking but this voice was coming from these people walking around and they weren't talking so people were getting a little bit confused and Jeff even took to, in his very discreet ways, going out on the town by himself. And he would oh. ride the bus every now and then, and he would listen to the neighbors. And he would bring back all the good gossip with him when he returned and tell the family what's going on. Wow. He's very e-news. Yeah. I also imagine, like, you're at a grocery store with an invisible weird creature, like Jeff, and you're walking past your worst nemesis, and Jeff whispers something horrible out loud to them, and they turn around and they think you said it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he did that because he was kind of, kind of a weenie, at times. <laughs> he wasn't the nicest, obviously. Yeah. From his and if he loves France. gossip, I bet he loves to create it too. We all know those people. Okay, so obviously this family, like you said, some people might turn around, some people might figure out that there's a weird voice coming from this family that doesn't belong to them. So pretty soon the newspapers catch wind of what's going on or what's supposedly happening. And they all journey to the Isle of Man to see what they could learn about this talking mongoose creature that lives with this family in the UK. Mm. And they all hoped that they would see Jeff the mongoose. And many of the locals backed up the Irving saying, yes, we've heard Jeff talking. And two locals even claimed to have seen Jeff themselves. And so the journalists and the investigators are all gathered together. They're all looking for evidence. And the Irvings are attempting to provide some. And one newspaper wrote an article titled, Man Weasel, Mystery Grips Island, Queerest Beast, Talks to Daily Dispatch Reporter. <laughs> and one of these investigators who came to the Isle of Man to discover what was going on was Harry Price who we covered in a previous episode. So Harry yeah. was a big fan of debunking paranormal activity. And so Jeff the Mongoose was a case that he was like, that will dissolve pretty quick. Let me head on over there. 
So the Irvings gave photographs, they gave hair samples, they pointed out footprints and stains on the wall from where Jeff had, uh, you know, maybe like walked up a wall or made a mark, just proving his existence. The stains makes me think of like, where is he going to the bathroom? Oh, I was just thinking like little wet paws. Oh, okay. That's fine. But another big problem that the Irving had when trying to prove Jeff's existence is that they also had a sheepdog named Mona. And so everything, photos included, that the Irvings had provided were said to actually be just Mona. Pictures of Mona, Mona's hair, Mona's stains and footprints and markings. Hmm. And Harry Price asked someone else, a man named Reginald Pocock of the Natural History Museum, to evaluate the paw prints and to examine the impression of supposed tooth marks as well that he had taken casts of that the family pointed out saying like, oh, these tooth marks are made in our house by Jeff the Mongoose, I guess, chewing on the walls or something. Mm -hmm. And Reginald of the Natural History Museum couldn't actually match these bites or the prints to any known animal. And then they just kind of left it at that. So it might be conceivable, yes, that it was a dog, but it wasn't proven that it was a dog. So this, these paw prints that Harry Price collected and these tooth marks that Harry Price collected are just kind of now this mystery. Like, yeah, maybe if we sent it somewhere else, it could be someone might find a match with the dog. But this person at the Natural History Museum was like, no, it doesn't look like it. And it's definitely not a sheepdog. So now they're like, hmm, interesting. What could it be? Because it's also not a mongoose so even though he's taking on an appearance of a somewhat mongoose like creature his teeth marks and his actual paws are not a mongoose so it sounds like it's an animal that just doesn't even exist maybe a cryptid but maybe jeff was uh somewhat of like a mongoose or ferret blend or something but basically everyone's like obviously this guy's paranormal it's a talking animal that's paranormal enough So Harry Price is like, I'm going to keep on continuing. I have to do my due diligence here. I can't just stop at teeth marks and footprints and hair and photos. Mm -hmm. I need to examine this farmhouse. And in doing so, he noticed that the interiors were covered with double walls of wood paneling, which allows a lot of airspace. And therefore, because of the way that the panels were set up and the noise being able to move through the walls and be very specious and noisy and bounce and trail off, it appears that a voice could be talking in the wall and then sounds like it's coming from an entirely different area. And then additionally, Nander Fedor, a research officer for the International Institute of Psychical Research, he stayed at the home for an entire week and he did not see or hear Jeff at all and believed Jeff could have just been split off from Jim Irving's personality. Oh, whoa. So things weren't looking good for Jeff the Mongoose. It kind of looked like Jim Irving might have just been throwing his voice and trying to trick everyone in his family. So. Interesting. More and more people, they start to become skeptical of this case of Jeff the Mongoose that they once believed in. And all these newspapers and researchers flocked to the Isle of Man to see. And mm-hmm. after James Irving passed away in 1945, both his wife, Margaret, and daughter, Voiry moved away they sold the farm but they didn't actually make any money on the farm because it had the reputation of being haunted by jeff the mongoose and therefore they actually had to undersell it and to get it 
just off the market. They were like, sure, fine. It's just we have to sell it. That is what it is. It's super sad, but we need to leave. So this man bought it. This man was named Leslie Graham, and he reported that when he moved in, he spotted Jeff, and he shot him, and he killed him. And then he stuffed him, and he put him on display. And so the Irvings, Margaret and Voiry, are horrified. Yeah. And so they go back to be like, what the fuck? You killed Jeff. And they go back, and then when they see the mongoose on display, they're like, that's not Jeff. That's just a much larger and black and white Jeff. Jeff was small. He was yellow. That is not Jeff. Oh. So it's looking like there's still some hope for Jeff to be a real paranormal creature, but the critics didn't stop trying to debunk this case, and most have concluded that it was a hoax. It was believed that the daughter had also maybe created Jeff and that she used some sort of ventriloquy mixed with a setup of the house to create some very convincing spirit. So some people are trying to pin it on the daughter. Some people are trying to pin it on the husband. Then they thought Mm -hmm. that maybe the whole family was in on the hoax or perhaps it was a mass hallucination of the entire family. Which is actually will lead very well into my story later. Perfect. Yeah. But... Whatever this thing was, the family members and the daughter of Voyery stood by their story. They never wavered and insisted that what they'd experienced in the house was real and that Jeff was real. And Voyery passed away in, I think it was 2005. And up until that day, she was very, very adamant about what had happened and what she and her parents experienced together and that Jeff the Mongoose was real. And in more recent years, the conversation about Jeff the Mongoose has stayed alive. And in 2014, Wall Street Journal wrote about, quote, the world's preeminent authorities on Jeff the Mongoose, who had all gathered in the University of London's Senate House Library to discuss the mystery and try to figure out what the heck happened. So the mystery Uh, remains. It's unproven that he's not real. Jeff the Mongoose. I mean, yeah, how can so many people have had experiences with him? I understand, like, maybe it was just the family, but people heard voices in grocery stores and in the public, and he went out on his own and did weird things and, like, came back with gossip. Right. Yeah, and granted, this is so weird. I don't understand it at all, but I want to believe in Jeff. It's so weird because we've never heard anything like this before. But then also you have to think that it wasn't just, like, some – people who did investigation and reporting and paranormal research on the side as like a hobby Mm -hmm. it was people going there and investigating who had like so many cases under their belt so many like actual credentials to be there and i mean the guy who examined the footprints and the tooth marks worked for the natural history museum it wasn't like he was just some right I, i don't know had like his own little shop like he was a legitimate source for that type of information and he at the time at least could not match it with an existing creature that's so fascinating isn't it jeff the mongoose baby so weird if jeff is if jeff wasn't the thing that the new guy killed which it seems like it wasn't where is he now what is jeff doing and also like how did jeff pick that family maybe maybe after he spent time Living with a piano in that lavish house, he thought he wanted something a little more quaint, a little countryside home. And then he discovered that that wasn't what he wanted. So once they left, he probably went on to live somewhere else in a different palace. Wow. I have hardwood floors and I have, I don't have a piano, Jeff, but I have a guest bedroom. And you also have Leia and I don't know how they would get on. You know, I'm willing to put Leia up to the challenge. No, Jeff. 
threatened at one point to kill the whole family. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't. And I guess he didn't kill Mona the dog either. Maybe he just yeah. really wants some love and he's not getting it. And it's also weird that he said that he was a man from India basically saying like, oh, yeah. I'm reincarnated into this like weird body. But it and definitely it, it, seems more of like, I don't know. He seems like a benign whatever he is, spirit, talking animal, supernatural, and whatever he is. Maybe he's he seems the, benign. He doesn't seem evil, but... He could be the Beetlejuice of the paranormal world, just like kind of a nuisance, but just wants love and attention. Everyone says, sleep, don't pay any mind to that Jeff the Mongoose. And then he has to run off and get, find some attention with the humans in this dimension. He kind of reminds me of Matilda a little bit with his telekinesis and his living in the walls by himself. Yeah. And if he has a sad upbringing, he took care of himself. Whatever it is, it's... One of the strangest things I've ever heard. It's that's wild, Jeff. Jeff the Mongoose, please let us know how you're doing. All right. Okay. What did you pick? So I the strangest case is a was a very difficult topic for the mind of Sabrina. But I ended up finding I've always been obsessed with hysteria and these mass mm. hysterias that have struck our world and universe and in history. So off of what you said, how people believe maybe Jeff the Mongoose case was a example of hysteria, I decided to talk about examples of hysteria in history. Perfect. And so it's not necessarily paranormal, although if you think of the Salem Witch Trials as one of those things where Salem Witch Trials was an example of mass hysteria where an entire community just like convinced that everyone was being affected by witches and so that is an example of hysteria in the world that was believed to be back then a possession or a a cause of paranormal instances Mm -hmm. and that is something that most hysterias at one time or another are often they're like oh this is this happened because someone put a curse on the town or whatnot but most of the time it's actually a psychological phenomenon that transmits collective illusions or threats to people, to a group of people, whether they're real or not. So in the case of Salem Witch Trials, the threat of witches. And then mass hysterias seem to have picked up in the Middle Ages and were characterized by, one, hysterical seizures of screaming and general violence, and two, trance states where people would claim to be speaking under the influence of a spirit or a jinn, which is a genie, and then three, frightened spells. So... Like I said. Sounds like a lot of blame on witches. Yes. And magic when it comes to hysteria. Yes. I mean, it reminds me, a lot of this reminds me of that psychological experiment. I can't remember the name of it, but there's that video of a woman in a waiting room, and she is the only person who is not aware of this, but everyone else is in in on the experiment. And when a bell rings, everyone in the waiting room stands. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly what you're over talking time, about. the woman starts to stand too, and it's just they play it in all of the like intro to psych yeah. classes, and it's an impact of what of you one wanting to fit in, and two believing that that's the way it should be done, believing that it's happening because everyone else around you is doing it, mm-hmm. which is crazy that one person can have so much influence on a group of people. Yeah, do you think if you were in that, it's hard to it's hard to say now because. Of course, you know what the experiment is, and everyone probably would like to think like, oh, no, I wouldn't. But do you think you would stand up? Yes. I mean, 
If you watch the video, I don't think I'd stand up. I think I'd say, why is everyone standing up? Have you seen? But the video, there's a guy who says that. He asks, why Why are you standing up? And she said, well, that's because everyone else was doing it. And so then he starts to do it. And then another guy, who he resists it for the first five times. But then as it keeps happening, he feels weirder and weirder about himself and the fact that he's not doing it. So then he starts to do it. God, I don't know. I think I might just leave because I'd be like, this is scary. I don't know. I think I would. Oh, sorry. Sorry to go off course, but actually really quick mm-hmm. when i was in all of my 1920s gear mm-hmm. i had to go run to cvs really quick and i had like my white gloves on like my whole outfit and i was really nervous that everyone would stare at me but in fact the opposite happened people were actively choosing really hard not to look at me to look at the ground and i think they thought i was a little uh, that maybe i was scary that i was Ooh. living in this world in my head that i wasn't actually in or maybe they thought that they were traveling through time real quick and they didn't want to acknowledge it so they looked away a glitch in the matrix yeah yeah. that's well now you know how i feel every day of my life (laughs) i know there was a police officer that i drove by that did like three takes and joe was like maybe he thinks it's a glitch in the matrix and i was like yeah a glitch in the matrix driving like a 2014 car (laughs) no way (laughs) that would be a double glitch in the matrix wait speaking (laughs) of crazy shit there was a police car chase in my neighborhood last night. What? The police were chasing, I think, a drunk driver who was driving like crazy all through Playa and ended up driving onto the beach and into the water. Are they okay? Yeah, they're fine. But basically, like they, you, you can watch the videos. They drove up into the beach and then kind of in the water, but not in into the ocean all the way, just like at the where the where it hit the sand. Oh my god, that's so scary! And then they got out also, of their car. That's a great ad for car. And or tires, because that's really impressive that it could go through all of that sand so easily. <laughs> but then one of our friends who was in um, film school with me, Dylan, who lives down by Playa, he sent a video and it's the police cars that were chasing him after they apprehended the, the driver. The police cars couldn't get out of the sand because they were stuck. See? Right there. Yeah. Okay. But back to hysteria and the fact that humans are very susceptible to hysteria. So the first one, and this is the one that kind of I've always in the back of my mind been like, I'm obsessed with this and this story. It is the Dancing Plague of 1518, which I'm sure everyone knows. But basically, the Dancing Plague of 1518 is this infamous case where an entire town, I think it was over 400 people just joined in and dancing. But it wasn't the first time that it happened. It actually happened previously in 1374 along the valley of the River Rhine, where hundreds of people were seized by the compulsion to dance and it lasted for over a month and people died from exhaustion failing to stop to eat or drink any water and after this happened no one could explain what had happened they were like there must have been some paranormal experience you know people were struck by possession or they were cursed or a spell was put on them and then it happened again mm-hmm. in 1518 in Strasbourg, and the outbreak started in July of 1518 when a woman, Mrs. Trophea, began to dance fervently in the street. And slowly, people started to join her, slowly and slowly. And then over the time of a month, over 400 men, women, and children were reported to have been consumed by the mania. And as the dancing plague worsened, 
people got concerned. They would they brought in a lot of local doctors to try to figure out what had happened, and they ruled out astrological and supernatural causes and announced that the plague was a natural disease caused by hot blood, which I think is just a disease of your blood. Hot blood? Yeah, I think it's a disease like a po- blood poisoning. And what you're supposed to oh. do for that is do like blood transfusions and get healthy blood in. But instead of recommending that, the doctors and authorities were like, keep dancing, just dance it all out. So (laughs) I'm imagining that these authorities were consumed by the mania as well. And then they were like, we all need to dance. We all need to keep dancing. So they did. And they even built these new halls and markets and stages to, to help facilitate this dancing plague. And wow, yeah, wait, how long did this last? Where they're like, let's quickly construct some platforms and houses to allow people to let their get their freaky get their freak dance moves on. I it lasted for at least a month, so it gave them time. That's insane. People must have been so fit. Well, oh my gosh, yeah, a doctor, someone, a scientist from today was like, today's marathon runners would not have survived the physical strength that was that was necessary for these people to dance for over a month. So I would have died. And actually, many people did, unfortunately. Yeah, if you would have died, I would have died. I'm sitting and I'm having a hard time breathing because I'm talking too much. Yeah. What does that say? <laughs> that we would die when dancing. 100%. I'd make it to hour three. You'd make it to probably day 60. <laughs> oh, God. You'd make it longer than three hours. You danced all day on Saturday. I was drinking too, so. Well, I had some extra fuel. <laughs> I think you'd probably do better than if you weren't drinking. <laughs> but I wonder if this is what inspired all those dance marathons that they do. Didn't didn't Alpha Phi do one in college? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so no one could figure out what was causing this chaos. But people danced for a period of a month and dozens of them died from heart attacks, strokes or exhaustion. It was just today there's still no answer for it. But there are many theories. And there was one theory that it was caused by ergot fungi which is the main ingredient in lsd which people believed was used as a ingredient in the bread and that this all these people in the town were eating the bread and therefore were put into a hallucinative state and everyone just happened to have the same hallucination i guess but it was ruled out so this is just a theory and i think they just wanted to find something to to explain it but they couldn't yeah no answer can be determined and then Another very interesting example of hysteria is actually called motor hysteria, which also began in the Middle Ages. And this one was thought to be during the time when it was first happening. Everyone thought it was due to possessions because it happened primarily to nuns and nunneries. So Mm -hmm. historical reports indicate that nunneries were rife with motor hysteria, which is a mass psychogenic illness that had some women exhibiting the signs of demonic possession, others acting out in sexually disturbing ways, and one convent full of nuns meowing like cats and trying to claw their way up trees. That literally sounds like a description of you. (laughs) Me every day, just trying to be a cat. (laughs) I'm sorry. Wait, they said that there was something wrong with these people? (laughs) Well, okay, so it was a... Sounds like basic behavior. It was a French convent, and one nun began meowing like a cat, and then all of a sudden... All of the nuns in the convent begin meowing like a cat. They start climbing up trees, and the entire town was just terrified of this nunnery and so scared, had no idea what was happening. They were all convinced that they were possessed by like some cat demon. 
And then the police showed up and threatened to whip the nuns. And finally, the nuns stopped. So again. So they they actively chose to stop. So they were in control of themselves. Right. They were just choosing to live their life like that. Yeah, I don't know. And then another instance took place in 1627 in the London nunnery of southern France where a nun by the name of Jean de Deong was the mother superior and she became infatuated with the local priest whose name was Father Grandier. And she became so obsessed with him that if she couldn't see him, she was just constantly burning with desire. And she felt so overwhelmed with guilt. And when she was praying to God, she became convinced that this father, Grandier, was plotting with Satan to make her lust after him. And so then her and all the other nuns began to believe that. And they put, they accused this father of witchcraft and authorities hanged him. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. God, I, oh, how horrible. I know. And so that was another one that everyone thought was possession, but it was just what they what they say is that it was a result of all these women who were forced and coerced into nunneries unwillingly, and they were forced to be celibate and didn't really understand any of life. And so when they had a desire, a sexual desire, they, they were so – it was so ingrained in their mind that it was incorrect and wrong in, if you were going to be a nun that there had to be some other cause, which mm. in that instance was a possession or a witchcraft, which obviously wasn't right. But there is one very weird other hysteria that I read about. It's called Horo, and it refers to the irrational fear that one's genitalia is shrinking or retra- retracting into one's body. Oh, Okay. Question, how does the female genitalia retract into our body when it's already in our body? Right. So this actually happens a lot more with men than women. But there was one female panic when they believed that their breasts or nipples were disappearing. But it is more likely to strike men. And according to psychologists, it's more likely to strike men in societies where their worth is determined by reproductive ability. Wait, this is while they're dancing or just in general these are different odd hysteria cases? Oh, these are all just – cases. Could you imagine – no, it's all they're all different. But could you imagine – I was like, maybe their boobs are shrinking because they're losing weight because they just danced for 20 days. Oh, I would be so sad if all of this was happening while they're dancing. No, no, this is <laughs> – this is a separate one. And the um, – Coro actually started around 300 BCE. That's when the first case of it appeared. And it's particularly prevalent in Africa and Asia – and is usually accompanied with severe anxiety and fear of impending death or loss of sexual ability. So a lot of it, it kind of goes back to evolution and the weakest links, you know, who's who will survive are the strongest. And if you can reproduce, you are one of the stronger. So it all, it yeah, it's, I mean, it's so fascinating. There was this one case in 1967 in Singapore where more than one thousand men tried to prevent off shrinkage of their genitalia by using clamps and pegs oh one thousand that sounds painful one thousand that's insane so psychologists usually blame cultural circumstances pointing out that epidemics tend to follow periods of social tension or widespread anxiety but in chinese medicine they blamed female fox spirits while in africa they considered it the result of witchcraft so again going back to paranormal that people wanted to explain it 
with paranormal reasons because I didn't mm-hmm. quite understand the psychological aspect of it. Right. Oh, it's called herd behavior. That's what it's called. The the idea of like following the pack. Mm. Speaking of, the last one I will tell you is my absolute favorite. It is because this behavior does not only pertain to humans, it also pertains to animals. And this story is the Great Sheep Panic of 1888. And it took place across southern England. And it was late at night on November 3rd, 1888. And all of a sudden, thousands, thousands of sheep simultaneously burst from their binds, their fields, and their dwellings and scattered all over 200 miles of southern England. See, that's weird. That's weird. Yeah. I feel like with humans, I get it more than a random sheep scattering. If it were all animals, okay, fine. There's a wildfire right. or they heard something that we can't hear, but just the sheep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was tens of thousands over 200 miles of southern England. And so, yeah, I mean, one of the things that they tried to explain it away with was that, oh, there was thunder or there was lightning, but it thunders and lightens and it rains in England constantly a lot. And this has only ever happened twice in the history. And the second time was on a much smaller scale than the first time. Wow. Then there's theories that maybe there was a meteor the night prior, but there was no meteor. They couldn't find any. And also, even if there was, it probably would have impacted only a smaller portion of England, not 200 miles. Mm-hmm. Some people try to say that there was a UFO, maybe an alien encounter I think that, of some that kind. makes the most sense to me. Yeah. That's what I believe. Yeah. And that's what people have latched on to. And, oh, there's one – there was one theory that it was like this angel that came down and warned the sheep, all of the sheep, and told them to run. From what? But run from what? We don't know exactly. So, yeah, I have no idea. It's very – yeah, but basically people woke up the next day and sheep were everywhere. And they, like, had no idea what happened or why they all got – and also they physically got out of their binds. That's a difficult thing to do, which makes me wonder, like, did something release them from that? Yeah, all at the same time. Because there's – because there's no way that one human being – it's physically impossible for a human being to have released thousands of sheep. Because it was done by an alien. Yeah. But those are weird hysterias. In <sighs> oh, my gosh. When do you think the next one's going to hit? Well, they they hit constantly. There was actually in like 2006, there was mass possessions in Malaysia. And then there was, I think in 2000 in North Carolina, there was a high school – that was struck with mass seizures. and oh, That's serious. All, How does that happen? I know, but but it was basically all these high school girls who started having seizures. And it was like one high school that all of them were having seizures. And it was all the girls. They like were having real medical seizures, but they couldn't figure out why all of them were having it. And then they started talking about the psychological, like the extreme of hypochondria where you think you're sick, that you convince yourself to be sick. Oh, yeah. They've done... I've talked about it, I think, before where uh, I don't remember which researchers or where they did it, but they had people convince themselves that they had been hit somewhere on their body. <gasps> yes. Wait. And then oh, my God. They developed bruises in those spots when they had never. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking of? I I wonder if it's the same one, but because there's also there was a more psychological one where uh, dealing with repressed memories and there in that study, they were talking to people and they were basically being like oh my gosh that one time you hit that person or that person hit you and you got in a physical altercation and they kept recounting this thing that never happened but then the patient 
or the test subject then believed it happened and could retell the entire story as if it was their memory, but it was planted in their mind by someone else talking. Yeah, I 100% don't trust memories. I We did a yeah. lot of uh, exercises in my forensic psychology course in college and mm-hmm. yep, it you don't remember anything the way that you think it happened. Just like That's all so the scary. details that you think are the most obvious. The, my favorite was when my teacher came in on we had class like Tuesday, Thursday or whatever. She came in. And first thing she did on Thursday was put down a piece of paper, pop quiz. Everyone flipped it over. It said, what was I wearing on Tuesday, two days ago? <gasps> oh, that's no fun. one got it right. And we stared at her for 90 minutes and no one got it right. Wow. You can't oh, trust crazy. yourself. The mind is a scary place. The mind. And the fact that we don't even understand the mind fully yet. And there are p- parts of our brains that we don't even use. It reminds me of, did you watch the Black Mirror episode with Miley Cyrus? Oh, I, yes. But I thought you were going to talk about the one with like the, where they record everything in their eyes. Oh, no. I was just thinking in the Miley Cyrus one when they go into the little, the little robot thing and they're like, oh, the mm-hmm. robot's only using 10% of her mind. And then they release her full mind. I, what? Yeah. That's like humans. Right. I mean, we use it for How do something. We release? But I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential up in there. I know. We could be talking to aliens. We could. If only we knew how to use the folds in our brains. I know. Oh, there was that there is that one person who lived without like the central portion of the brain that connects the two sides and his brain worked just as well, which is so interesting that like, the fact that your brain can I feel work like fine. Communication would be slower. Because that's one of the things yeah. that you learn uh if you take some science classes with men and women our communication is scientifically different because of the way the synapses fire in our brain it's Hmm. different between men and women and that's why women are smarter (laughs) girls go to college to get more knowledge boys go to jupiter to get more stupider what's the reverse what do what do boys chant about girls they don't because they're not smart enough (laughs) I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, they are. I know. I'm My kidding. Totally I'm joking. Screw you, Christian. I got really sensitive I today because my cousin was joking that like my dream job would be just to be like an art teacher, like an elementary school art teacher. And then mm-hmm. my aunt goes, oh, you? Oh, wait, no, but your brother is the artist. And I was like, um, <gasps> we're both really good at art. It's just that my parents only bragged about Christian. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, oh, sorry. It's just they always laid out all of his artwork. Every time we'd go over, his art would be on the kitchen counter. And I'm like, Aww. yeah, my art is in the house too. It's just shoved away in the closet because it's not as impressive that I do it, only that he does or it. Or it's too pretty to share with the world. <sighs> it's okay. Oh, wait. One thing I wanted to say about Miley Cyrus is that she is the first artist to have three, three different names as top charted songs. Mm-hmm. She has top songs under three different that's thank you for <laughs> artist names yes yeah ashley o which is crazy because that song is all about vanity and making fun of pop culture in today's society and now it's a top hit and then she has miley cyrus and hannah montana so good so good i love miley always been Me a big too. fan even during her destiny uh, hope her self-discovery moments you know we all go through those. we do just not so not to. as publicly thank the lord right yeah that's not fair for her <sighs> i have a listener story from 
Cole. Hello, ladies. My name is Cole, and I've been listening to your podcast for a couple months now and have been hooked. I figured you two would love to hear more Bigfoot stories. Yes. My grandpa retired from the Navy over 20 years ago. He was always interested in the paranormal and unusual creatures, so he became a pretty well-known Sasquatch researcher. There's a place that he would go camping a lot. It's called Mongolin Rim, and that's where almost all of his encounters occurred. Also, I forgot to mention, my grandpa was on the TV show Finding Bigfoot, so that's pretty cool. Heck yeah, we've probably what? seen him then, because I feel like I've seen every episode. I have not, but I will now. <laughs> that's what I do when I go home. I just lay on the couch all day and watch Finding Bigfoot. One time my grandpa took me camping in Magolan Rim when I was staying down in Arizona for the summer. This was my first summer away from my parents, and after we set up our tents and cots, it was nearing nighttime, so we decided to build a fire. I was in charge of finding sticks and pieces of lingering wood while my grandpa tried to make a fire pit. It was around nightfall, and the sky was turning a dark orange and purple hue when I saw this little stick nest slash hut. I say little like it was tiny, but in actuality, it was gigantic. And being the stupid little nine-year-old that I was, I decided to check it out. I poked my head inside the hut and found a little pine needle and stick dolls. I thought that was strange and went back to trying to find more wood for the campfire. And that's when I heard twigs snapping to my left. When I glimpsed mm. in the direction of the snap, I saw a tall, hairy, clothless man who was peering out at me. I was terrified and screamed. And as soon as I screamed, the thing ran in the other direction. When I finally got the courage to go back to our campsite, I was shaking and trying to comprehend what just happened. My grandpa had many encounters just like that and told me that it was watching me just like how a human would watch TV, trying to just get me to calm down. Anyways, that was my one Sasquatch encounter that I thought I would share. Within all of my 17 years of living, I had a lot of encounters with the paranormal, one including my grandpa, who was mentioned in the story, who happened to die back in 2015. I still feel his presence watching over me and my family. I might send more stories in if you want to read. Cole. Of course we do. Of course we do. Literally saw Bigfoot. Also, wow, you saw here's Bigfoot. Here's a detail that I don't think I've ever heard before with Bigfoot stories. Is making themselves little toys and trinkets. Well, my first thought with that was some weird voodoo stuff. I know. Or like the Blair Witch Project in like, you know, in the woods, they find all those hanging Ooh, yeah, stick I do. dolls, which is so creepy. Yeah, just some sort of like cult activity. But I mean, he saw the thing right there. What looks like a really right. big hairy man. I just need to know more. At least I will things, say, but... at least the thing ran off and didn't harm him because there are instances and cases where I feel like it's not that way, where it's very threatening. Mm -hmm. And I would assume that Bigfoot is like all species, where there's always going to be a few rotten ones, but the majority are A-OK. Yes. I and luckily, it seemed to be an A-OK run-in. And I do like your theory of it being a dollar a toy for them, because I imagine it gets really lonely out there by themselves. Yeah. I bet they have families yeah. and little communities, right? Unless they're like great white sharks and they just hang all by their lonesome. I mean, I feel like every story you hear, you you hear that people see one Bigfoot, that they're alone. Yeah, that's true. I mean, their family could be somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. 
I wonder too. And also I wonder why that hut was so close to near, I assume it's so close to the campsite because how far is a nine-year-old going to wander to try to find sticks? Yeah. All right. What do you have? Okay. This is from Sophia. She says, hey, Corinne and Sabrina, greetings from Russia. I'd like to start off by saying I absolutely love your podcast. I love your duo. The story I'm going to tell you guys is probably the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Yes, heard. I travel a lot because I'm a travel enthusiast, and last year I went to Dubai. I made quite a few friends there, and one of them was called Sabrina. The irony. Anyway, she has been living in Dubai all her life with her parents and her three brothers. Her household is a mixture of religions. Her parents are Christians. Sabrina and her brothers are Muslims. And this matters because Sabrina's oldest brother encountered jinns at one of his mission trips. Which, for people, I looked this up, it's a genie. Essentially, it's an intelligent spirit of lower rank than the angels, able to appear in human and animal forms, and able to possess humans. Cool. But it's like a supernatural deity being. Okay. Okay. Here's what she told me. Her eldest brother, Amir, was on a mission trip in one of the poor areas in India. He described the place as very quiet, dark, and populated. It was a very small town with about 300 houses and only 100 people living there. When he was on his way from the airport to that town, I don't remember the name of the town exactly, but he said he drove for three hours straight, but it felt like he'd been driving for more. As soon as he entered that town, the sky seemed to get darker for some reason, like a thick fog was hovering above that town. He was supposed to find house 669 to meet the elder priest there. It took him a while to find the house, but eventually he did. And when he entered the house, he saw the priest and about 60 other men who he wasn't expecting. Anyway, he introduced himself to the others and started talking to them, and he said all the men were very friendly and approachable. And then it was almost 7 p.m. The priest asked him to prepare dinner for 60 people. What? Imagine the horror. 60 people. It took him two hours to prepare dinner for everyone, and when it was ready, they all sat down and ate and had a good laugh, and a good time overall. Since Amir had a long day, he asked their leave and went to bed. He had to wake up at 3.30 a.m. for morning prayers. When he woke up, he found the surrounding a little odd but he couldn't tell why. As he left his room, he passed the dining room and saw all the plates left behind and remembered the good time that he had earlier and how amiable the men were. When he reached the living room, he saw the priest already praying. Amir didn't want to disturb him, so he went into other rooms to wake others up for prayers. But to his surprise, he found no one. There was no trace of anyone in the house. The bed sheets were neat and tidy. The doorknobs still had dust on them as if no one had even touched them in a long time. Shocked, he went to the priest and waited for him to conclude his prayers and then asked him where everyone was. And the priest whispered, Don't you see? They're sleeping right here. Don't wake them up. And Amir just looked at the priest as if he had lost his mind. He replied, I'm sorry, but I don't see anyone. There's no one here. And the priest looked at him for a while, for what felt like minutes, and then let out a little giggle and whispered back, Oh, of course. How can I expect you to see them? They're jinns. Amir got so freaked out, he left the house and drove back to the airport, and as he was driving away, he saw all the loving men hovering two feet above the trees around the house. What? He got out of there as quickly as he could. The story still gives me chills when I pass by a tree at night. I just don't look at the trees at all when I'm alone. There are a lot of superstitions when it comes to trees and jinns, and there was one more story that I heard about a guy getting possessed by a jinn, but that's for another time. I hope you like the story. I'll keep sending more when I hear more. Lots of love, Sophia. Um, I need to know the possession story. Okay. What <laughs> is going on? Right? That is horrifying. So weird. So weird. 
And she saw them before. Well, she didn't. I don't think she did. I think it's the friend's brother. For th- Oh, my God. Oh, my God. For 60 people and to wake up and be like, oh, that was such a good time. And then oh, I would be run. I would run. That's so 60. scary. That's such. Yeah. Whether it's paranormal or not, just being with someone who just starts laughing and making you feel like you're not in on something mm-hmm. that you thought you understood previously. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, Amir did run and he did. He did what he should. Yeah, he did what he should have done. Flight. And then he saw horrifying things outside as well. Oh, that's so scary. Could you? Oh, that's so out of hereditary looking back. And then these figures like hovering above Floating. the trees. A few yeah. feet. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I, I can't fathom it. And two feet above the trees, these figures were hovering, not just two feet above the ground. They were up above the trees looking down at you. I would think that they were going to fly uh, at me and attack me. I know. And I mean, I don't know much about jinns, just what I briefly looked up. But if they're supposed to be a religious being, why why do they do such scary things? And why do they then possess people? It seems like evil entities mimicking good in order to get what they want. I'm also so confused about how he was, why was he allowed to see these 60 other men when he first entered this house? But then later, upon re-entering for the morning prayers, he was no longer, they were no longer visible. Or was it just because they weren't actually inside of the house? They were hovering outside above the trees. Although the priest said that they were sleeping right here. Can't you see them? And then, oh, you can't see them. And then as he left, I don't know. I don't know why he couldn't. I don't him. know. It's just so scary. Yeah. Yep. That's horrifying. I would prefer not to go through that experience. Literally, they could make a movie about this story. This is so, so frightening. They, as in me and you. Yes. In our children's book that will terrorize all of the children around the world. No, the children's book will be cute. <laughs> How cute! Not about this story. I thought you were talking about the children's book about the girl and her cat in the tent. Oh, (laughs) just writing about that one will be sweet. We have too many ideas, too many stories to tell. If you guys have any ghost stories of your own, yeah. What is the weirdest uh, thing that's happened? What's the weirdest thing you've heard of too? Send it to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail dot com, and you can support us in so many ways. The most important, I believe, is to rate and review us on iTunes. Just a simple sentence of what you think of the podcast is all you need. And it helps us stay up on the charts and helps other people find our podcast to help us grow and put out more content for you guys. Mm -hmm. You can also support us by supporting us on Patreon. You can purchase merchandise. You can tell everybody that you have a really cool spooky podcast that you're listening to, which they should listen to, too, because October is right around the corner. We want to also thank Eric Foster at Fire Digital for editing this episode for us. We really appreciate it. And we also appreciate all of you and your wonderfully beautiful, capable ears for listening to our voices. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you on the other side. side.